Hi, everyone. I'm John Strausner. And I'm Berta Alexander. And this is Break Some Dishes, an Imagine a Place production. We're looking to places where radical change and transformation are happening. We're talking to people who cross boundaries of their disciplines to use design as a tool to solve the world's most pressing problems. Let's break some dishes. Okay, all right. Hey, Verda, what's going on, man? Hey, John. So we're on the floor of Green Build today, and we've been... Not in- not on the floor. It hasn't been that kind of day. All right, not literally on the floor. Well, but people can't see. We have to be descriptive. <laughs> and we're, we're at the material, Mindful Materials and Material Bank Pavilion, and, and here comes Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca's from watching us. Hi, yes. Have, Rebecca, no, sit down. We're, yeah, we're, we're with our guest, Elizabeth. Hello. Yes, so this is Elizabeth Bridges. Elizabeth Bridges, I have to tell you guys kind of a funny story. So I was reading, and Doug Shapiro will be happy to know this. I was reading the Imagine a Place magazine, and I read the article that they did on, on Elizabeth and Garrett. And you guys are, you're, you've got a really funny pedigree, and I'm going to let you tell it because you're better than I am. But when you talk to Elizabeth and Garrett, you really think you're talking to scientists, but they're creatives. So I think it's a really amazing bridge between science, technology, and creativity and design. And so, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit of your origin story and how you got where you are now. Yeah, Absolutely. I do, you're absolutely correct, have a very strange pedigree. There's like certainly many bounces that happened. Um, I was actually doing my PhD in phenomenology. That's how I ended up in New York. And basically through that process, I started to realize that I was more interested in testing some of the properties of phenomenology that I was working on. Yeah, For those of ask. us that aren't that <laughs> smart, what is, oh, oh, I, I keep, yes. is that Heidegger? Am I like, yes, way, I am, Heidegger oh, does talk about so phenomenology. Exciting. Very nice. I, yes. I, was I, learned, I learned something in college, but impressive. I don't know what, I don't know what it means. Yes. Okay. So, so thank you for that. Phenomenology is basically the study of how we as human beings experience the world. And that takes on many different facets. But the way that I was really interested in coming at that, that kind of conversation was how does the built environment and how do the, the things that we interact with on a daily basis impact us on a psychological level? So I started to get really interested in how I could potentially do you know, some installations to study some of the things that I was writing about. Um, and through that process, my dissertation advisor basically suggested that perhaps I go in a different direction, maybe work in a design space. Um, so from there, I started to do my master's at Pratt uh, focused on design, and after leaving Pratt, I started at a firm called REA, and it's an exhibit installation firm, and I was working there on a project for the Smithsonian um, that was specifically focused on NASA, and so in doing some interviews with their lead scientists um, on site, we started having conversations about why they were studying the things that they were, what their projects were really focused on, um, and it was really scary. Basically, the realization uh, that we have such limited resources here and that the climate crisis has really reached a point where, you know, things will never be the same. Like So planetary boundaries? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, our limited set of resources. 
So from there, I started to focus more on sustainability specifically. Um, and my partner Garrett and I started a design studio focused on biomaterials and how we can start to shift the way that designers interact and use um, the materials that we design with and for. So through that process, we have started working on a project, um, which is where we are now. The material that we make is called our carbon, um, and we work for. Can you spell that? Yeah, O U R C A R B O N. So oh, it's our carbon. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's it. really just speaking to the fact that um, we're taking organic waste that we make. It's all anthropogenic carbon, uh, organic waste, and we're putting it through a process called pyrolysis. And we work for a company called Bioforce Tech that's designed these two machines that take in organic waste. They fix the carbon in those organics for over a thousand years. And we're taking that material and applying it to industry. And we're trying to utilize it in um, basically all the materials that we touch on a daily basis. So we can replace carbon black. Uh, Did you explain what organic waste is? Verda, do you know what organic waste is? <laughs> for his pop quiz. My compost, but what goes in the green bin? Yeah, so absolutely. That is, yeah. Verda's got all the answers today. Genius. She's Cute. the smart one. I'm the good looking one. <laughs> it's important to have that balance, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so organic waste is any kind of um, organic material that isn't currently being utilized. So the specific organic waste that um, BioForsex started working with is the residual material from the wastewater treatment process. So this is taking in everything that goes down the garbage disposal, <clears throat> everything that goes down the drain, and it's ending up um, at a facility where it goes through maybe some processes like anaerobic digestion, where they're trying to pull some of the methane out that can be used back in the grid as an energy source. But at the end of the day, you're always left with tons and tons every day of this material that they've called biosolids. It sounds kind of gross. It is. <laughs> it is. But you know, it's stinky. You know what else is gross? Fossil fuels. Like oh. dead dinosaurs. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you really start to think about the materials that we actually touch, right. like brush our right. teeth with every day, it's like, this is gross. Oh my God. Yeah. I never even thought of that. But yeah, but you must process this We stuff. do. Plus, yes. What, wait, what did you call it? Um, bi um, Biochar. Bi oh, biosolids. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, we do. So we put it through a process called pyrolysis. So this is where we heat up that organic material without any oxygen present. So what that does, if you remember your like fifth grade chemistry class, is as things get heated up on a molecular level, they have a ton of energy. They're kind of dancing around looking for something to bond with. Normally, carbon would bond with oxygen and emit a CO2, right? Like an apple peel breaking down, this is kind of the standard process. But when there's no oxygen around and it's heated to a certain point, that carbon is forced to bond with itself. And it creates really, really tight bonds. And in our case, we can actually measure um, based on the hydrogen and oxygen ratio that that carbon is fixed for over a thousand years. So that process produces a material called biochar. We're certainly not the only ones making it. Um, so but is we, it like cap carbon captured? The carbon is actually captured in the material? So it's not direct air capture, of course, okay. but it is fixing that carbon. It is sequestered okay. in the form of this biochar for a really, really long time. Okay. okay. So that's the first step of the process, right, is making the material. And then the second yeah. step of the process is using it. So we're yeah. replacing some really nasty materials like carbon black, which is made in a special kiln that's designed to make a ton of smoke when it burns 
fossil fuels. Carbon black is to make ink? Like, so no. everything. It's a black pigment. Yes, absolutely oh. in ink. But it's also in any black paint that you paint your walls with. Okay. Every single tire, car tire on the road, as well as furniture pieces that have been you know, injection molded or, you know, um, if you have a textile that's been dyed black, every pair of shoes that I own, I can speak for myself, is black and has, has this material inside and that's what's actually coloring it. Yeah. So it's really everywhere. It's kind of this like invisible, ubiquitous material that we interact with every day. And our microphones that are black right here. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's all over. Huh. Okay. So that's what we've been working on is, is basically incorporating that material into, mater into products um, okay. and replacing carbon black. Okay. So it's a material that's a component of, of, of other, material. other materials. Right. So yeah. it's not in itself a finished material. You're okay. absolutely right. Okay. But it, it, you can embed this in concrete? We can also use it in concrete. That's true. Yes. So in addition to using it as a pigment, it can also be used in uh, even structural concrete. And it has kind of two properties there. The first is that it makes that structural concrete slightly stronger. Um, it's not much, but it's there. It's worth noting. And the second thing is that it can actually offset the carbon footprint of the other ingredients in that mix. So you can actually say that that, that concrete is carbon negative because of the sequestered carbon and the avoided emissions that didn't emit because that material didn't go to landfill. Oh, wow. And can, wow. we, can we talk about the dye? Then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm really excited about that. Like you're working on a way to dye nylon, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So any kind of synthetic fiber that's in, you know, your shoes or your clothes or your furniture upholstery, all of that is extruded polymer, right? So it's a nylon or a polyester that's been extruded through a tiny, tiny little hole in a piece of metal somewhere. So you can actually color any of those polymers with our carbon as a replacement for carbon black, which is just what's used in kind of Isn't business that as usual. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So you know what, Verda? What? This has been a real shit show. No, <laughs> <laughs> You had to. You I had, had to. to. I had to drop that. Yeah. I, I'm trying to keep okay. this on schedule. We're, we're, no, no, I, no, not yet, because I have to say one thing. That's what happens when Vernon likes a guest. She doesn't let him leave. I hate to admit when John is right, but he did say that... I, I forgot what you said exactly, but, <laughs> but it was something about... I was right one time that, and you forgot. <laughs> something about how you're a designer, but we're going to think you're a scientist. Yeah. And how on earth, and it's my one question, how yeah. on earth did you go from phenomenology yeah. to like deep science? And how did, I mean, I would have not been able to know how to navigate all of that. Yes. I mean, amazing. it certainly happened slowly. It was, it was not an overnight um, transformation for sure. But I think that as designers, it's so important for us to understand what we're working with, what these materials are, what they're coming from. And that's really how the whole process started um, to getting to this level of, of science. So, do you know so ask questions, be curious. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. don't believe everything you hear the first time, right? Get a double, a second opinion and ask that question again. Keep asking. Yeah. We're so happy that we had you on for yes. a few minutes. Are we doing the lightning so round like yeah. we did with the designers today? So we ready? did live podcasting today from the floor of Green Build with a bunch of designers who are part of the Carbon Impact Program with with Material Bank, and we had the speed round of questions. So you don't, you're not supposed to like spend a lot of time ah, thinking, okay, or, great, or, I'm ready. or have very long answers. <laughs> okay, if you could wave your wand and fix one thing on the planet first, what would you fix? Mm. 
I think if I could wave a magic wand, I would solve the battery crisis, the rare earth metals that need to go into those materials and just get everything running off a, a clean energy source. I like That's a good that. One. And then a superpower that you have to, to do what you do. I think acting is an intermediary between the scientists that aren't maybe uh, always so great at articulating what they're actually doing and the impacts and the people that are actually using the material that those scientists are making. That's a great superpower. A couple more. You're doing great. Uh, sustain, what is a sustainability tip that you would give the average citizen who's trying to make a difference? Vote. <gasps> Vote. Finally. Finally. <laughs> An impactful answer. one. Yeah, Good exactly, answer. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Okay, last question. This has got to be quick. Awesome. Who do you like more, me or Verda? <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide. What kind of Damn question it. is this? Ridiculous, you two. I keep telling John he has to stop asking that question. <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to say me. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Okay, we're round two of our lightning round. And today we have an audience member, (laughs) Susan (laughs) Orlandi. (laughs) Hello, Susan. It's busy. Um, yeah. You want to say you want to t- tell about who no. we have? No, you please please well, go ahead. Verda, it's easy because they have name tags. <laughs> so okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can read their name tag though. <laughs> so we have the 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 founders of Rainstick here with us today. Um, you're from Vancouver, which is one of my favorite cities, and you two have founded a company called Rainstick. Correct. And. Yeah. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about it. Why don't you give us your origin story, how you guys, maybe not how you met in high school, but, but maybe <laughs> yeah. a little further down the line, how you got together to come up with this amazing idea? Well, we are from, originally I was born in Vancouver. We then, Sean and I, we met in Canada's only desert, which is a oh, couple hours in Kelowna. away. In Kelowna. In Kelowna. That's right. Yes. I know yes. my Canada. Yes. Okay, I'm very impressed. Good on you. Yeah. Um, not, not even a lot of Canadians know that Canada has a desert. I didn't know. Yeah, and so we actually ended up meeting in the desert. Uh, Sean came from energy conservation. I came from tech and science. And, um, you know, given the fact that we're from Canada's only desert, we knew that we wanted to do more. Uh, We're very passionate about design. And uh, we started to to come together. Sean and his former youth, he was a lifeguard. And so he used to spend hours. I knew it. Yes. (laughs) Hours. Sitting at uh, the city water park, seeing the water Wait, park. A lifeguard yeah, in the so desert. I, <laughs> yeah. So oh, like, we're de- on to these guys. <laughs> desert climate. I think you know we had this opportunity to in in the summers to go and watch these like splash pads or these water parks, right? And I would start my morning off by like filling up this tank and and making sure that we were good to go for the day. And I would literally sit back and watch water, you know, make this circular loop. And we thought, we kind of ha- hung on to that idea. Um, at the time I was going through school and went on and did a, did a career in between. But we thought, can we just take that same context and, you know, what was happening and what, what I was watching happen, can we just do that in an appliance at your home? So that's really the premise of Rainstick. Instead of using a drop a single time, we actually use it up to six times. So all of that water that would normally be used for just a second and sent down the drain, we're actually making the most out of it. 
And there's a little more to it than that. So we're bringing, we're bringing the water through a series of treatment steps along the way. So we have uh, a micron-level screen. We have uh, UV to deal with viruses and bacteria. But essentially, we're providing a really big shower experience for 80% less water and energy. So it's a massive water-saving tool. It's a cost-saving tool, particularly in markets like California. So we're very proud of it. Is, is this technology in anything else? No, I think it's, it's, it's one of a kind where we've, we've kind of, you know, it's funny you mentioned that we, we have folks, particularly in international setting, come up to our booth. And we just recently talked to some folks from the, the J- Japan, so the Japanese bath culture. And having this conversation with them and centuries and centuries of bath culture, they're basically describing what we've, we've drawn a box around with our product is taking something that is reusable, circular, um, really associating the quality of the water to the experience and when it needs to, when those need to match up and where. Um, and we're really reinventing the way that people take showers. They don't need to make, make a compromise on experience anymore. They can have an awesome shower but with 80% less. So we don't have to take a five-minute shower anymore? Yeah, exactly. I perfected, I perfected the, actually the three-minute shower. And this is actually funny, this is coming up. I was just talking with some friends. They're not, I know. Well, that's what you do in California. Everybody knows that, Vernon. That's what, you've that's, done the three-minute shower. That's what you do in California. Don't. <laughs> yeah, don't, you know. Um, I'm not judging. Yeah, don't judge. Um, but just with some friends, random. Oh, actually, we had just watched Dune. So, uh, so it came up. We were talking yes. about They're like, isn't there something like gray water where you can capture your water mm-hmm. that comes out of your sink and your shower and like circulate mm-hmm. it back and yep. use it for different things, yep. which is uh, great. But it's yep. very complicated to, to install and do, right? Totally. This is yep. much, much simpler. This makes it so much easier. We always say the best water that you um, saved is the water that you didn't use in the first place. So let's now, the water that you have used, let's recycle that, let's reuse that, but let's start from a place where we don't even use water. And I think we went out to set out when we started Rainstick is experience. So many times in you know the name of sustainability, we've compromised. And so our goal with Rainstick, with the shower and future water technology that we develop and invent over the coming years is you know, an act of experience while also providing real true sustainability and not forcing you to you know, compromise on the shampoo and to, like with Rainstick we actually wash the shampoo out of your hair. And I think you know, for women or people with longer hair it's really important. It's hard to make the shower efficient without losing that experience. Exactly. I don't know if you've ever watched that that old kind of Seinfeld episode, but it was back in, I think, the... 1992? Yeah, I think, or even the 80s in New York, and and the entire city was switching over to low flow, and and, um, Kramer was selling the high flow options out of the back of a car, you know, in in the black market. Well, that was kind of the start of, like, hitting that wall in terms of how low you can go, right? And so... I, I think I think I, we have a title for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we refer to that. It's it's true because, you know, you can only go so low, and why give up on experience? Um, you know, make that experience irresistible. Um, it's it's another it's a technological change. It's a, it's a different way to save water. Nice. Yeah. Do we have an audience question? 
Oh, wait, 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 wait. Come here. What do you do with all the cold water that you, when you first turn it on, it's so cold and it takes like at least six minutes to heat up? You know, uh, what do you do with all that water that's wasted? It's a good question because you can you can be in your in your shower and and you know the first part of that experience is you're just you're you're playing that game where you're moving your hand underneath the shower head and you're you're cold and you're vulnerable waiting for it to heat up. So we have a feature built into our product that um, actually does a pre-warming mode. So the first drop of water that comes from our shower head can be at the temperature you want it to be, and so you know by by not only saving water, we can also take out some of, or improve, I should say, some of the experience items in the product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Susan, wait. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it sounds like a really great shower head, and I want one, like, right away, because my husband will turn on the shower, and he'll wait, like, 10, 15 minutes before, super hot before he gets in. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And he lives in California? Oh my God, I'm sending the water police to your house. Come and and take a look at Rain Stick. We're over there. Okay, we're going to do some speed questions. First, I want to thank Susan from TLR for the question. She's our one audience member today. All right, John, All right. This is the it. most important part of the episode. Okay. So this is our speed round. We ask okay. you guys questions, and okay. you answer them really quickly. Okay. Biggest sustainability pet peeve. Does that be industry Um. Quickly. Plastic water bottles. Foam. Definitely foam. Oh, foam. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, oh that's okay. They're, They're the first. Water. This is. These are the first two that actually listed items Something as their pet peeve, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. All right. uh, okay. If you could wave a wand and fix one thing on the planet, what would that be? Ooh. Um, there's so many different things. I mean, um, you can't say okay. Change, but like, um, current point in time, we see it all the time. I would say today, homelessness. Uh, that's beautiful. That's Love it. Um, oh, um, what would be your sustainability tip for the average Canadian trying to make a difference? Mm. Just start. I think so many times we hear, we're knowledgeable, we understand what issues are going on, but we're not doing anything about it. So just do something. Okay. I'd say automate. I think, you know, we have these great ideas around saving, you know, even whether it's money or energy or water. But automate it, make it easy, set it up so it's dummy proof, it's exciting, and it's something that's irresistible, and, and start right away. Yeah. yeah. You guys see how I made that international? Verda, did you hear that? I, I said did. Canadian yes. instead of American? Yes. Okay, now what would be your tip for the average American? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, last question on the speed round here. Who do you like more, me or Verda? Oh, man. Please say John so he can stop asking that question. (laughs) Hey, thank you guys very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Live mic, Verda. Live mic. Okay, we're ready to roll with round three of our circuit. Exhausted. Ah, it's it's almost the end of the day, almost the cocktail hour. So you know. Um, but it's been lively here yeah. at the Material Bank Mindful Materials Pavilion yeah. with a lot of a, a lot of their vendors, a lot of their carbon impact leaders, and we met Ren just a little while ago, and we added her to our circularity talk because her story is so interesting. So Ren, can Hi. you? Yeah, I would love to know. 
you had a long title a long for what title. you do. So yeah. yeah. Hi everyone. I am Rendy Cherney, and I am with the Cradle to Cradle Products Innovation Institute, and we run the Cradle to Cradle Certified Program. It sounds like there should be an acronym in there somewhere. There's a lot of acronyms. Yeah, yeah. We need another acronym. We need more acronyms. I know. I hear that constantly in this industry. If only there were more acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's super exciting. I've obviously heard about Cradle yeah. to Cradle for a long time and have not met anyone yeah. from that organization. So, very exciting. Yeah. So, I'm actually a licensed interior designer and I was introduced to Cradle to Cradle certified from one of my... Um, carpet reps way back in the way times when um, Cradle to Cradle Certified first came around. And that's what kind of got me interested in sustainability because they were talking about product circularity, holistic sustainability from the very beginning. And I was like, I'm all in. I'm all in. And so I used it as a designer um, throughout my design career. And then when I jumped ship, I feel like I've come full circle pun intended, because here I am at Cradle to Cradle. So yeah. it's, um, like I said, it's a it's a global leading standard for products. We certify, it's a third-party verified uh, product standard, and it's holistic. And so the term started with a book. It did. Which I just... William McDonough's book. Which William I McDonough's just book. recently reread. Love it. I, I, read, I, I must have looked at the front flap like five times going, look to see, wait, was this actually written in 2000, what was it? Eight or nine? Yeah, eight or nine, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this guy just was like, he must have been a time traveler. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, so that it's based on that philosophy. And so the certification turns that into action. So we have a lot of manufacturers who, same thing, read the book, super pumped, want to turn it into action. And so that's what Cradle to Cradle Certified does. And it does it along the five, we have five impact categories. And so we, when a product goes through Cradle to Cradle Certification, they're evaluated across all five of those categories. And they have to do all five. All five. You all five that you can't skip. You can, or you can't just say, I'm going to focus on... No, you can do the material health only if you'd like. But all of our, the majority of our, my clients, um, the manufacturers that I work with, they are, they do the full certification. Yeah. Uh, but is the emphasis circularity? Because yes. the term, you know, means right. Yes, right. and so Versa we cradle to grave. Right, is the, that is the. That's not good. It's not. We good. don't like and that. We're we trying like to that. switch. We're that's trying to. Yeah. What we've been doing, and that's the opposite. Right, and so the certification, cradle to cradle certification, is powering the shift to a circular economy. Yep. And so when we talk about a circular economy, we believe it encompasses all of those aspects. It's not just what happens to a product at the end of its life, but also what's in it. How is it made? How are the people treated? Because we don't think you can build a sustainable future or a circular future if you don't take all of that into consideration. It's a, I like to say it's a systemic problem and yes. you have to have systemic solutions. Exactly. So we try to incentivize innovation, but also no greenwashing because there's no incentive for someone to game the system and maybe do platinum at... Um, material health, but then not treat their people well and be still platinum. So if you don't treat your people well and you're, you know, I'm gotcha. Yeah, you're, you're, gotcha. we're not incentivizing that. You, we want people to do the whole thing and we want them to work with their suppliers and um, really, really innovate on their product, optimize their product, not just in their factory, but, but across the industry. Yeah. Well, I'm, well, I'm still obsessing on the cradle-to-cradle -cradle part. Yeah, let's do it. Sorry. And yeah. I think because this is a circularity 
yeah. podcast, right? So we have two different pathways for product circularity. And so we have one that we call the biological cycle, which is can this basically turn back into nature at the end of its life? So if you think of linoleum, that's a classic example, it can be composted. So that is a biological cycle and how it is circular because it's turning back into earth. When we look at the technical cycle, that's can it be designed for disassembly? Can it be designed with recycled product in it? Can it be turned back into itself? That is sort of the classic carpet cradle to cradle certified story is it's carpet that turns back into carpet. So there are sort of two pathways that you can take when it comes to circularity because we recognize not everyone's working at the same scale. Every product is different. You have to have different pathways, different entry points into creating a circular economy because there's not going to be a one size fits all. Right. And so our um, our version four recognizes that and it gives manufacturers the, the pathway um, and the options to figure out how, what's best for their product and how to design it that way and really start at that design level. Okay. Yeah, I think that um, I was going to ask you, and Verda, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but from a manufacturer's perspective, do you find that is there any part of the cradle-to-cradle certification that everybody gets hung up on? Yeah. Um, actually, with version 4, one of the hardest parts is social fairness. And it's because it is aligned with the UN global principles, the guiding principles, but it also, because we're moving up, it's a pathway to optimization, we set baselines based on regulations and the best known science available, but with the social fairness category, we're building in accountability at a corporate level. And so some companies are saying, it's really hard for us to build in not just the baseline, but also how do we create policies to enact these baselines? How do we measure that? How do we hold ourselves accountable? So that one is really tricky. Yeah. Uh, but all of them are very, I mean, it is a leading standard. So the material health one is, is hard. We, we, um, are, we have a restricted substances list. So when you are cradle to cradle certified, even at the bronze level, we're talking no PVC, no PFAS, no VOCs, no formaldehyde, no heavy metals. So we're, we're, we've set the bar very high. So yeah. even manufacturers who come in at bronze at, for version four, they're doing incredible work. So, and they're, they're, they're going above and beyond the normal scope of things yeah. across all of the five categories. Yeah, it, it just reminds me, we were just listening to Avi Rajagopal talk about the, um, the pledge for positive impact and it, it, it's categorized yes. along those same buckets yeah. and equity is a big one for, I've been really taking a deep dive into equity and he was talking about how you not only have to look at like toxicity and of the product and how if, you know, if it's, if it's, yeah. if it's affecting communities where the, where the, those, um, plants are, but you also have to look at the global supply chain. So I think that's yeah. one of the issues with social fairness is that it's, you, you got to look locally, you got to look globally. Yeah. And that's part of the, Cradle to Cradle Certified Version 4 is we start to get more into suppliers. So it's not just what is your company doing, what are your suppliers doing? Not only with material health, but across all five of those categories. Again, it's just getting deeper and deeper through that supply chain. It sounds like, doesn't it kind of sound like Ren's giving us like some insight into like a movie sequel yeah. like in version four we're getting <laughs> we're getting deep deeper into suppliers now yeah. yeah yeah but we're finding that material the, the designers are having that conversation they want to get into that level of detail I, they want to have it all i had a bit of an epiphany today verda I, you mm. probably saw when it happened but it was when 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 avi was talking and, and i was thinking about we had 
uh, Nora, Nora uh, Rizzo from Grace Farms uh, spoke today too. And, you know, Nora um, speaks about forced labor, yep. um, which is yet another dimension into supply chain yep. responsibility that I don't think we were, a lot of us were thinking about before. And I thought, God, you know, at what point do we just throw up our hands and say, like, I can't possibly guard for all of these things that are going to happen. I don't know what's happening in this factory in India or far, far away China. But don't interrupt me. I'm in the middle of an epiphany. It's happening. We're God, it's it happening. Happen. And then I realized what's going to happen is it's not going to get harder it's going to get easier because the bad actors are going to slowly go away because there's not going to be anything in, in it for them anymore. Yeah. And so one of the baselines for bronze level certification for Cradle to Cradle version 4 is no forced labor. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, like I said, with... The reason I loved Cradle to Cradle Certified when I was a designer is because there were there's you don't have to make those trade-offs. And I don't know about you, but when I went to design school, we didn't learn climate science. We didn't learn. I'm like, I went to design school, so I did not have to take science classes. But now we have to, we're all climate scientists. We all have to speak that language. And so that's where Cradle to Cradle Certified comes in. And so that's why I'm so excited to, to work with Cradle to Cradle Certified, because I, I understand that tension when you're a designer. Yeah, well, we can, your, your excitement is contagious. <laughs> yeah, no, which I love is, talking about is, it. Which is totally awesome. What do you think? Yeah, let's do the... Um, speed round? Speed round. Oh, okay. Time for the speed round. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. You ready, Ren, for the first question? I didn't know this was coming. But yeah, well, I know. It. We like to ambush people. I this like is called it. Gotcha. Gotcha podcasting. I love it. Okay. Um, biggest sustainability pet peeve? Oh, biggest, biggest sustainability pet peeve, I think, is people thinking that they don't have power. Oh, okay. I think my I like that. I, that people think that what they do doesn't matter. I felt like that when I was a designer. It's just another spec. It's just another spreadsheet. But then when you start to look at the impact that you have as a designer, uh, and when you like Avi was talking about about the global impact that you have because your products that you specify have these reaches, you start to see it. Nice. <laughs> okay. I, we probably already know this. I think it's your excitement, but. Um, you might have a different take. What is your superpower that you bring to this table to do all this incredible work? I love connecting people. I think part of this industry, especially with sustainability, as we're powering, as we're powering the shift to a circular economy, we're not. We've got to break business as usual, right? And so, to me, I think it's really important to connect all the players in this industry, so we can work together, so we can change the system from inside and remake the way we do things, the way we work together, the way we collaborate. I think it's, I love connecting people and I love seeing how people yeah. work together. And so. it is a really connected industry. Yes. Micro industry. Like yeah. You, everybody, and it's so collaborative. Yeah. It's pretty cool. No, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. So um, give us a tip, give us an everyday tip for the average person that wants to, to how do, do you start? something. I would say ask, ask for things. I, I, not just as a designer, but when I, I talk to manufacturers every day at Cradle to Cradle Certified uh, or at the Institute, we talk to manufacturers every day and they're listening to what consumers are saying. So ask for it. Ask, if you're a designer, ask your reps. They're listening. They want to know what you want. If you're a consumer, spend with your dollars, vote with your dollars. But the more you ask for it, the more you power the shift. 
Okay, last question. Last question of the speed round, and you've done great so far, so if I were you, I would try not to blow it on the last question. Pressure. Who do you like more, me or Verda? That's a Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> and you tricked me. <laughs> oh my God, hey. thank you so much. Yeah. Really great to be here. No, I'm thank so you. happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. We have not, hey, we have not run out of steam yet, have we? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> oh, we are good, for, good for y'all. Yeah, going strong. This is our last interview of the day, though. Yeah. And I think we've talked to like 10 different people, and I've loved every single one. Yeah. And yeah. I want to keep them all straight, and I want to be friends with them all in the future. Have coffee and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't have enough days in the year or whatever to do scared. that. We don't need more friends. <laughs> okay, well, here, well, okay. And I, I, hopefully we I can. Friend. <laughs> well, hopefully I can say the same after we've talked. Let know. me prove myself. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gar, yes. uh, we just met. Actually, you kind of came over and said, hey, I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> I've got a podcast. You've got a podcast. I want to be on your podcast. Absolutely. Exactly. There we go. There you go. <laughs> scratch okay. Well, first of all, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's called the Multi-Universe Podcast. I love that name. How come we didn't name our podcast know, something cool like, like that. that? I know. Okay. Well, I'm tuning in yes, for sure. Yes. Uh, well, the Multi-Universe, it's kind of, so it's the play on the whole multiverse sort of thing, Marvel, all of that. But it really came from... Uh, when I started to get more involved in reuse and actually think about sustainability and circular economy, it was thinking about something differently and I couldn't unsee the impact of circularity. I couldn't unsee it. So it was like a, a new filter okay. into the multi-universe. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I was like, okay, I got to play with that a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, tell us about your journey absolutely. to circularity. Like, yeah. How did you get here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, funny enough, yeah, grew up in... Uh, my parents were talk show hosts, so I grew up in the media industry. What? Yes, That's not uh, fair. exactly. And so, um, grew Wait, up. If Gar shows us up, we're, we're not ever going to have him on again. Right, exactly. <laughs> never, 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 never. We always, we've always said we don't want anybody smarter than us, but exactly. but we actually don't want a, a show, a better show yeah. person. A better show us. person? No, 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 no. Um, but here, so really, yeah, it was. I was it all in media, um, and then I moved to California, and it was like I was. Uh, in undergrad, I was studying economics and I was obsessed with economics. And then, but there was a missing piece for me. And the missing piece ended up being sustainability, figuring out different business models that could solve major problems. Um, and once I started to better understand, there was actually fashion and design choices that were being made around different brands and different uh, business models. The light bulb went off. And it was like, I need to know more about these business models and need to figure out how we can do more in this sort of sustainability sphere. So from economics to, to, to sustainability to circular economy. So that was the full circle that there. That is awesome. The journey. Yes. The journey. Yeah, yeah. I've read. I, I, I'm not smart enough, but I've read donut economics. Oh, absolutely. And sacred yeah. economics, and I find it very fascinating. Yes. It is a big piece of the this puzzle that we yes. need to solve. Right. Yeah. It's it's unaccounted for in our current economic models, which is how do we actually. Uh, move past this linear model of consumption. Yeah. So companies operate much like us as consumers. They'll take, they, they'll buy things, they'll use those things, and then they'll put it on its journey. And then they'll send it down, either they'll liquidate it, they'll sell it, they'll ultimately also landfill a lot of it too. Yeah. But the circular economy is really cool because that's where the design components come into it, is how do we actually start to think about um, these materials, think about the goods that if we think about the chairs we're sitting in right now or whoever's listening is sitting in, well, 
are they designed for circularity? Are there choices that have gone into the design to say, hey, you can actually take this arm off and replace it with a new arm. And those are different styles of thinking than many people are used to because maybe the chair is glued together. And if a chair is glued together, well, you can't undo glue very well. So it's actually, yeah. how do you unscrew something? How do you prioritize the, well, the, the deconstruction of des something? De design yeah. for disassembly. Exactly, and designing it. So, and that's almost the core of circularity is, is thinking about just past the consumer journey. Um, how do we actually start to look at, what does that mean to recirculate, design yeah. for that circularity? I think that, you know, what's, what's really cool about, sorry, Bert, that yeah. this whole circularity thing is, you know, there are easy answers. Like yes. we're going to have um, a return program, and so when your yes. chair is broken down and you don't want it anymore, you can dial an 800 number. But the reality is, those programs are really difficult yes. to effectively yes. execute. The other thing you can say is, we've got recycled content in our product, and if you're smart enough to take this whole damn thing apart and you have yes. that kind of time on your hands and then you take what's recyclable or resellable. Yes, yes. Good freaking luck with that task, right? Exactly, it's, so it's tough. The companies that are putting it all together and saying, can we make this out of valuable recyclable product? Yes. Right, like yes. aluminum, for yep, example. exactly. And can we make it really easy to take apart? Yes, and so that, that you're exactly right. I mean, thinking about not just the broad spectrum of plastics and metals that we have, but really focusing on the ones that have that value are super important. So that's the aluminums, that's the plastics, that's the, the core plastic. We're talking PET or HDPE or LDPE that yeah. have actually real value in our economy. Yeah. That is great, great to think about in terms of a design process. Or if you're innovating a new material, think about how you could help benefit circulating that type of resource as well. And maybe there are companies, maybe there are small businesses that actually are working in certain communities that can say, oh no, no, we actually can accept that material and building that into the design framework is, is really important. Yeah. But that's the big challenge, right? It connecting is. Yes. connecting somebody that is getting rid of something yes. with somebody that needs something. And then there's all kinds of stuff that can be reclaimed yes. in a building. Like you could reclaim the ceiling tiles, the yes. Wallboard, yes. the light fixtures, the toilets, yes. the stalls, <laughs> yes, everything. the doors. Yes. Um, so you've created a pretty ingenious yeah, company so at, to at, facilitate that, right? Exactly, and thank you for that that amazing softball there. What it's, a segue. Exactly. We're, this is we're we're, we're okay at this too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you've done this before. Um, no, I mean this is that's what Reapley's all about, and so Reapley is. Uh, we've got a nice friendly name, which is really a combination from research cheaply which actually uh, speaks to our origin in research institutions and trying to find new homes for microscopes and complicated research materials. But actually, it can, it can apply to reapply. So it's a nice double entendre now where we're really focused on reapplying exactly those materials that you just talked about. So the building tiles, the uh, or the ceiling tiles, the building paneling, whatever might be going into a building, how do we actually start to inventory those building materials, start to understand uh, its Boy. current applications Please internal. make your way wow. towards the nearest exit. See, they want us to leave. <laughs> this woman, she doesn't know we're breaking dishes. Yes, Please exactly. make your way to the nearest exit, and we will see you tomorrow. Yeah. So I, this is a shame because I feel like we could talk to Gar for a long time. I'm I'm bummed out. We're gonna we're gonna we're having everybody back on. I got so my quick plug. Busy. I'm happy. I'm okay, happy. Yes. Good. I want you to comment on this. So my son sent me this the other day. Somebody tweeted this out. 
Please stop putting plastic in the recycling bin. It isn't being recycled. Instead, it's often shipped to poor nations where it risks going into the ocean. Simply put your plastic in the garbage. Our landfills and incinerators work fine. You can keep recycling glass, tin, and paper. Oh, that's quite a, that is quite a bold statement. Um, Not untrue. untrue. Yes, untrue. Um, there are great recycling systems. Is it true that um, our recycling systems are not to the best of they, that they could be and we have a low percentage recycling rate compared to others? Sure, but the systems do work. So ignore that person. So, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know because most plastic, you know, I, we can't really recycle it. But it depends. I mean, we've got we've got PET, I, I mentioned before, right, these, these, right. these high value plastics that yeah. do find their way into recirculating. Um, it is, however, also Green sadly milk. untrue. <laughs> I think they're talking to us. Exhibit hall is now closed. All right. Please make your okay. way to the nearest exit. What is she looking right at us? Right. The all-seeing eye is is yes. Okay, fine. We're leaving. Yes. Speed round. Speed round. Before this super speedy. Exactly. Before we get kicked out. Biggest sustainability pet peeve. Oh. I'll go first myself, which is my own water use. I'm so guilty of taking too long showers. And I, I swear, <laughs> I, it's it's my biggest own pet peeve. Um, That's so funny that you just said that because we just had rain stick yeah. on. Yes. And their whole thing is... I'm obsessed. Yeah. No, I'm obsessed because I need to get one. It, it is. One. I can almost so say guilt-free long showers. Yes. Um, right. Come on, speed round. Yeah, speed round, speed okay. round. Okay. Um, if you could wave a wand and change one thing on the planet, what would you change? I think it would be the perception that reuse means uh, loss of revenue. Um, and because it really could, if we if we innovate around business models, we can actually create new profit opportunities. Yeah, get rid of the GDP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that might be it too, yeah. So this whole growth model, growth, 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 right, maybe too, yes. Right, exactly. Um, okay, and then your personal superpower that you bring to reapply. Yeah, I think the fun part for us is we're connectors. And so just as much as, you know, we have a real responsibility to not just always try to make ourselves the solution, even though we're sales, even though we are, we have to grow, 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 um, we don't do everything. So it's it's been really fun to be in this industry and be connected and try to actually figure out, hey, we don't do this, but we know this company does and send them to that company and see how they can flourish and how they can grow. Um, and so there are lots of cool companies out there that do a lot of cool things. I That's thought you so were going to say your superpower was was talk show hosting. Uh, maybe. Okay, I guess. Just, yes. Uh, towards the talking. end of the day that we're all still fried and we're still talking, we're making stuff happen. Yeah, that might yes. be it too. Okay, yeah. Give us a sustainability tip for the average American that's just trying to do better. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, really look into... I'm always obsessed with groups and communities that focus on uh, free. So I don't know if you know any of these sort of free yeah. markets, free, they yeah. all have their different names. It might be free marketplace type things. Okay. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them at uh, the open door or yeah. uh, what's the local community apps. Buy or nothing. Next, One of them's buy nothing. Exactly. Yeah. The buy nothing group. So yeah. they're, they're another great example. And so, Tap into that. That's all yeah. about connecting with your neighbors, yeah. re-engaging your neighborhoods in yeah. ways that we've kind of lost in a lot of ways culturally. And it's amazing what people will take. Absolutely. It it's like, I bought three extra boxes of cake mix. Does anybody <laughs> want these two? And they'll be gone in yes, an hour. Yes, they'll be gone in an hour. And, or, you know, that wardrobe, that bicycle, whatever it is, there's yeah. people out there that want that. Yeah. And that's that's all reuse. That is an answer of a tree economist. Uh, yes, totally. <laughs> all right, yes. well, it was 
fantastic Wait, to meet you. Wait, one last question. <laughs> one last, one speed last round. question. Oh, yeah. Okay, last question. Don't okay. blow because you've done yes. great so far. Okay, yeah. Who do you like more, me or Verda? Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to go with the designer. <laughs> she makes things oh my happen. God, yeah, actually just answered that, it. actually I'm, answered. I know, never, I know how the world works. I'm never yes. asking that question again. <laughs> That's the last time. Thank awesome. you all. Hey, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> okay, John, let's right. uh, tee this one oh up. My God, so, how do we have any energy left? Well, no. it's day two, and maybe we shouldn't uh, admit that because because the whole idea is that we we had the circularity panel or hot seat for about an hour yesterday, and it was amazing, right? Oh. And we did want to have a quick conversation with Rebecca, because we're here at her invitation, Material Bank. Yeah. Rebecca Best with Material Rebecca Bank. Rebecca Best. And um, they're doing a lot around Rebecca, VP of Sustainability at Material Bank, right? Is that your title? Let's make sure we get that right. And now it's, it, Rebecca has been putting up with us for the last day and a half, so. In the most loving way possible. Now oh, we've here. decided to put her in. You gotta talk. <laughs> and we decided we gotta put Rebecca in the hot seat. All right, Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to Material Bank, and we wanna hear about circularity. So a little bit about my story. Personally, um, probably the last 20 years, being involved in both in Canada and the US, um, on kind of all things on the strategy side around bringing sustainability and material health um, to both residential market and consumer and uh, and business to business and the design industry, but most recently for the last two and a half years with Material Bank, really kind of cracking the nut as far as you know, kind of with with this with the need for sampling within the industry, this kind of necessary evil. How do we ensure that there's an end of life story and circularity, and so that all of these samples that are required to make critical decisions on jobs and projects and um, that we actually have a solution for the design community. Yeah. Uh, so when I started, <clears throat> there was already kind of baked into our foundation this concept of sample reclamation. Um, but, you know, that's great to say that we're going to support the industry and kind of give you an outlet to reclaim your samples, but then kind of what then? Um, so, you know, for a long time, I think that we, you know, pre-me and over the last couple of years, a big challenge has been okay, so we're getting flooded with samples. So we know that there's a need because we know that it's not easy for manufacturers to go back to offices and pick up their samples. We know, like you've heard, I'm sure, in your office, it's like, what do we do with all these samples? Um, so the exciting journey has been actually figuring out how to commit to zero landfill and zero sanitary landfill with all the samples that we return without a return to us, have a huge focus on reuse um, because we know that that's ultimately the answer. We really need to reuse Recycling, you know, I mean, everything other than reuse is not ideal, is less than ideal, but at least it's better than going into sanitary landfill. Well, and take a step back yeah. and uh, assume that there could be somebody listening that doesn't know what Material Bank does. Sure. Um, great point. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't everybody know what That's Material Bank does? That's why Verda keeps me around. <laughs> I'm the idea guy. Oh, Mr. Ideas. <laughs> so Material Bank, so largest marketplace for the architectural and design industry around sampling. Um, so at any point in time, up until midnight every night, an architect or a designer, anyone who's sampling and specifying um, a construction material 
can come onto Material Bank platform and order samples and consolidate samples across 450, almost 500 brands, um, have those samples consolidated into a single package um, and either have it shipped to them the next day overnight or have it ground shipped. Yep. Um, but the idea is the, um, the possibility to save on shipping emissions, to save on packaging waste, um, and so rather than, you know, looking at and sending the same email and making all kinds of phone calls to seven, eight, ten different manufacturers and having all of those packages come to you at different times and kind of going through that process, that repetitive process, now all of your project information can go in, you can request samples and that whole process of consolidation um, is really kind of the foundation of what Matias, so the pain point from an efficiency perspective on the for the design community and the beauty and kind of where the magic happens is still being this ultimate connector in the industry because so Verta, you're, you're a designer. So before the samples even arrive on your doorstep, all of your brand reps locally here in San Francisco already know what project you're working on, all that same information that you would have given to them directly. They already have that information so they can follow up with accordingly. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just I wanted to add that yeah. prior to Material Bank, I mean, the library was always like the like our like, oh my god, what are we going to do with all these samples and they'd be piled behind designers' desks and they'd be piled in the in the library and in the bathroom like just overflowing and then a couple times a year all we could do sometimes we'd try to donate them to schools, but for the most part all we could do is just get a dumpster once or twice a year and just toss yeah. them all away. So this has been an incredible solution. Oh, that's that's great to hear. And I think that, you know, I think that when we knew as a supporting tool that, you know, Adam Sandow, our, I always call him like our chief innovation creative, like everything genius behind all this, not just our CEO and founder, um, because the idea of identifying this need to not only um, not only digitize and make the sampling process so much more efficient, but actually solving that need for sample reclamation and getting them out of your offices is just, it's brilliant, but still leaving on our side. It was like, okay, so now what? What do we do with all of these samples? So it's been a really incredible journey to understand, okay, so now we've got, you know, five or six different avenues for disposal. And, but number one is how do we reuse the samples? And I think we were talking about this earlier, right? Is that, there's a lot of education and accountability that we also want to bring to the design community to say that it's not just because you can kind of like offload all your samples that you've used on, back onto Material Bank, but how are you responsible, number one, in the way that you sample so you're not oversampling. Yeah, don't um, pick things you don't need. It, don't pick every color right? that's available, right? And also use the tools from a digital perspective to be able to look at 10 different reds on screen. And do your research, like dig in a little bit. Like if you're looking for something that's non-toxic, make sure you look at the EPD label, like make sure it's gonna work before you just start picking, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I think this whole concept of sampling, you know, sampling sustainably, sam like smart sampling, leverage the tools before you hit send to make sure that, to your yeah. point, you are actually using the proper filters that make sense so that you know what you're sampling and what you fall in love with when it arrives on yeah. your doorstep, that that's actually what you want to put in front of your clients. Right. Yeah, and, and so now you're taking it a step further and you're helping designers measure their impact? Yeah, well, so that's really exciting. So that's a whole, so, so the sample reclamation, one program, another key program is the carbon impact program. And so measuring their impact, not necessarily from a project perspective, but using and leveraging Material Bank as a supporting tool, how can we help you use that, leverage our, our, our information and our metrics as part of your own ESG goals 
So looking at, based on all, all the samples that you do send out, when we're offsetting the shipping for every package, what does that look like directly for you? So yeah. if we think about, you know, if we've offset... 3,200 metric tons of CO2 based on all of our all, all of our shipping emissions. What does that look like, for example, Verta with U plus with uh, with O plus A, specifically the samples that you send out? What part of those carbon offsets can be attributed to your packages, um, so that the firms can kind of own that idea of carbon neutral shipping and them doing good from a sustainable sampling perspective, and also, again, kind of educating an opportunity to to discuss and have that dialogue with designers around. You know, what is it to bring sustainability into every aspect of your workflow? Was the carbon impact program your baby? It was. I, and I, uh. I, I know that. And I, I wanted to tell the story of how we met, because I think that's pretty funny. It was a year last year, right? Yeah. A year yeah. ago at a conference and in uh, Palm Springs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, your, your silver hair. And I'm like, <laughs> I got to get to know her. And then next thing I know, I'm in the gym. No, you're in the gym, and of course I'm in the gym. We're yeah. like the only two people crazy yeah. enough know, to like, like get up morning. early. Exactly. And I, I gave, I loaned you my Peloton right. um, uh, password so yeah. she can, so she could ride the bike. Nice. <laughs> and, and I then, have to edit that out. We don't want Peloton coming after us. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then later that day, Rebecca is providing carbon offsets to every attendee of this car of this conference. And not only that, um, there's like a giveaway at the end, and the giveaway was a year of carbon offsets to the lucky designer winner. And yeah. so I, that, that, to me, that set, set Material Bank apart like right off the bat. You know, even when we think about offsets, I mean, offsets we know are not the solution and they're not the be-all, end-all. And we certainly don't want any group or organization that has a capacity to do way more than offsets to, to just use offsets as their go-to. Yeah. I feel like for us, because foundationally and just that concept of aggregating kind of brings us to the lowest common denominator and then we offset. But I also think that whether it's reuse, whether it's purchasing offsets, I think that this idea that any little step around reuse, around circularity matters, like every single step should be celebrated. Yeah, I and love that. And then we've got this like collective sustainability celebration. Yeah, right? celebrate I mean, the baby steps. Yeah. I love that. We wanted to give a shout out to Dave Bryant with One Workplace and Heirloom. He provided our furniture today that we're sitting in for our podcast, as well as the, the lounge for Mindful Materials and Material Banks Pavilion. So thank you, One Workplace. Thank you, Dave Bryant. You're the best. All right, Rebecca, All right. are you ready oh, for... Man, this is when it gets really hot. Speed round, Rebecca. Listen, a couple of things. Holy First cow. of all, don't be nervous. Okay, I am, I am. I'm sweating. Right. I'm sweating. I know you are. <laughs> Verda, get her a sponge for her brow, please. Okay, oh, she's a mess. Okay, this is quite possibly the most important part of Green Build for you. So don't I'm certain blow that it. it is. Okay. All right. No problem. Biggest sustainability pet peeve? Lack of accountability. Okay, that's a good one. Okay. Nice. Okay. If you had a magic wand and you could wave it and fix one problem on the planet, which one would you fix? Racism. Oh, Golly, good. she. I was almost. Uh, she's. I, been, I don't know. She's been listening in on these. She's she prepared. <laughs> I'm not happy. Okay, your personal superpower that you bring to the table to make change. Personally, therapy. <laughs> Therapy. Oh, yeah. she travels with a couch. Lay on my couch. Let me let me hear your problems. Okay, so give us one sustainability tip to the average 
average person out there who's not trying, not a designer necessarily, just the average person at home trying to do a better job? Consume less? Ah, that's actually a really good one. Such a good one. Am I supposed to be just giving short one word yeah, answers? Yeah, yeah, you're okay. nailing it. Okay. You're nailing it. <laughs> I'm actually a little disappointed inside. Okay. Last question and possibly the most important. A lot of people have done great up until now. So, last question. <laughs> Who do you like more, me or Verda? Verda. <laughs> oh, my God. That's two. Oh God. That's two. I, two. I can't believe that. I can't not side oh, with geez. a fellow female. I hate that two. question. I'm never asking that question again. Good. Good. Curtis is going to edit was, that out. Was there enough? Was there enough that, pause? That was, was there enough pause? Or was yeah, that you it seemed like you were thinking that was, about it. Very unsettling. No, not enough pause for John. But Rebecca, you did too good. We're going to have to make those questions harder. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thanks, that was Rebecca. Awesome. Thanks. The yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been so much fun. Well, this has just been absolutely. I'm I'm so happy that you guys were open to coming and sharing your voices and your yeah. talent and your creativity, um, and just you know kind of bringing industry leadership and these conversations to the table. We're so so thrilled to be able yeah. to support you in this way. I can't wait to hear the end result when we get it all I put know. together. It'll <laughs> be yeah. good. We all have to lead in different ways, and that's what we're here to do yeah. so incredible yeah. and you know to both of you I mean leading in such different and then common ways and, and just you. fantastic yeah, so, yeah, so excited to be here at the table with both of you you're breaking through yeah. too so good breaking stuff breaking some dishes together. breaking some dishes breaking dishes baby thanks right. Rebecca thank you Rebecca thank you thanks to both of you if you've enjoyed today's episode drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to hear more trailblazers taking on the world's issues through the lens of design, visit us at breaksomedishes.com. I'm Verda Alexander. And I'm John Strasner. And you've been listening to Break Some Dishes. <laughs> <laughs>